How is it going? Welcome to Legacy Respawn, the podcast where you will find the latest and greatest game news. My name is Andrew and joining me virtually is the leader of the oats, Jacob. Good evening, sir. Good evening on this. Seems to be a Wednesday to start with. Not a Tuesday. Not a Tuesday. (laughs) All the merrier, though, you know. As Tuesday will be the reoccurring date. Got this this one off here on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with it. Um Yeah, Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, stuff. Weekdays, including Wednesday. How about uh, me being a little out of it? <laughs> you got to uh down that that G fuel G fuel game and talk. Nice. Uh, yeah, I spread it to you. <laughs> The doctor yeah, must have came and punched you in the back, too. Going to be super, <laughs> super slouched here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Man, how about this? Uh, I did want to say something to you earlier about this, the whole gasoline crisis or whatever is going on there. That's, uh, that's yeah. something. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know the reason, like, until way later yesterday. I didn't hey. see anything in the news. It was just a... Uh, I got a phone call. I was like, there's no gas in town or the next place over. <laughs> yeah, people went, they really went crazy on uh, buying the, the old Petro. I saw one of the pictures of somebody with a, well, not even a picture. I'd saw it last night too. Somebody had, I think, six or seven gas tanks in the back of the truck and they were filling them up. Yeah. They were upwards about 80 to $90 of gas when I was looking over. Yeah, that's crazy. We just seen. I'm trying the, to fill my car a little bit. I know. I just. I, I actually do need uh, gas, like <laughs> yeah. to, to do my normal functioning uh, activities through the week. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that resolves itself rather soon. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The gas could go down like just a little bit. Uh, did it? Did it jack up in town? It's, uh, yeah, I don't know about down here. I know up the road it was a uh, two ninety nine. Mm. I seen Which on the is news. A jump from like two forty, I think. I want to say it was Riley. I think it was. It was like seven dollars a gallon. Oh yeah, that's you. You keep that. Yeah, they're pumping <laughs> that liquid gold. Like what? Yes, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, for real. Like that's just dumb. I and remember I, and, when uh, we were, we were driving back and forth for the four dollar gas, and that was hard enough as it was. Yeah, that was also dumb. I don't I don't understand this, this whole dilemma. I feel like we created like people. They were like, oh, there's going to be like we thought there was going to be a gas shortage. So we created a gas shortage. Like, <laughs> like I think if we just didn't buy all the gas thinking there was going to be a shortage, then there wouldn't be a shortage. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be as bad. But it's that. Uh, that panic, the same thing, like, you know, hope oh, storms coming better buy milk and milk and bread to make milk sandwiches. Bread. Yep. The thing that gets me is like, what what do what do you do with all the milk once it uh the power goes out? Like like what, drink it. Like what happens to the milk? You know, it's like it's going to spoil within hours. You know, once it's unrefrigerated. Like, I want to throw up thinking about that. Let me just go From ahead. Here and, it is. Let me go ahead and just rip my gullet open and just down this half spoiled milk. What? I mean, dunk my <laughs> Wonder Bread in it, to, you know, to absorb some of the extra curd. 
Like, oh, I'm crying a little <laughs> bit thinking about it. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't I like, I never understood the reasoning. Like, well, why not buy like dry goods, like peanuts or something that's like mm-hmm. sustainable peanut for survivability? Butter. Yeah, peanut butter. You could leave the cap off that stuff. That's good for you, you could. You could probably submerge it and just dump the water off the top and it's still fine. Like, it's going to be okay. The milk just, thing. I've never, like, it's like, it just always baffled me. I never understood. I've never been a fan of milk like that much. When I was younger, I think I drank chocolate milk a lot. And then it got to the point where it was like, I'm cool. <laughs> just, I don't really need milk again. <laughs> don't really need the milk. <laughs> I don't ever walk by the fridge and I'm like, man, I need a big, tall glass of that frothy milk. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll bother me. I mean, I don't mind milk. It's got to be cold. It can't be like, mm-hmm. it can't be like, this is kind of getting room temperature. Like I can't, like if I get a cup of milk, I can't leave it sit out. It's got to be gone. Like in that sitting, like, like there's no reason to have your milk, like having a leisure sitting on the table for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a not a gentleman sitting for a couple hours. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing. Like you need to really step back and, you know, really consider the outcomes of that scenario and not do that no more. I, uh, my eyes and mouth are watering right now. It's getting bad. Is it, is it because you're thinking of this, this frothy cold milk or the, the room, the room temperature <laughs> semi lukewarm, uh, tall glass of, Hey, you're a robot. Moo moo juice. <laughs> it was so much. I heard all this robot stuff and like, we're, and then moo moo juice and moo moo juice. That's know. what it came back. To. Maybe I'm uh, fine. Yeah. With that. I don't even need the rest of the context. Moo moo juice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're censoring me uh, on Discord because it was just too vulgar. Yeah, like, for, oh for man, the- he's out there talking about that gas and now he's <laughs> in that milk. Yeah, Illuminati. Can't, can't. Don't ruin these people's <laughs> milk sandwiches. Wrapping them up in paper towels and toilet yeah. paper. Mm. Oh, we got plenty of that for sure. Maybe that's what we should have done is soak all the gasoline and the excess toilet paper that we own. And then you can like wring it out when you're ready to use it. I think I lost you again. Lost me. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Or gasoline and then it went and then you were gone for a little bit. <laughs> the have cape. to go back and hear the uh, Moo Moo Juice talk. <laughs> Nonetheless, don't leave your moo-moo juice sit out. That's wrong. <laughs> it's your lesson of the day. <laughs> but I'm sure that's not why you came here today, here to talk about liquid cow juice. We're going to uh, discuss some excellent uh, topics yeah. today. <laughs> excellent topics. A bunch of news and game-worthy uh, facts and stuff. This but first don't, one's a banger. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Legacy Respawn and get the show ad free and a lot of pre-shows and post-shows by joining us on patreon.com slash Legacy Respawn. And as always, we greatly appreciate all your support. Anyways, on today's show, we got uh story number one. This is probably should have been the last one for the main event, but I got I got a little excited. I'm not going to lie. A little the excited. most important out of all these. I got very excited and I was like, this is this is the right move. And this is what we all need in our <laughs> lives. But uh, Nintendo has appropriately came out with an excellent addition to their eShop. For a whole $9, you can now download the Nintendo calculator. 
And this is the official description straight off of Nintendo.com. And it says a scientific calculator with a clear, easy to read multi-line display, which should help with those not so easy to do math problems. <laughs> calculator has an appealing, modern and practical design sure to be popular with all the students and engineers. <laughs> Best description. <laughs> if I see an engineer whip out his Nintendo Switch to do some serious calculations, I don't know if uh, I don't know if he's in the correct line of work. <laughs> I don't know if he's using the right tool. I don't think that's the tool that he should have provided to him in a sense of of needing accurate mathematical equations calculated. The the fact that it's nine dollars, nine or ten dollars, whatever it is, blows me away. Do they not understand <laughs> I could buy a physical calculator for that price? You, you got your phone. I, got, yeah. I mean, all the phones now. Every phone has a uh, a, a math solver on it, so. And I believe if you flip it sideways, it's also a scientific calculator. If you're that advanced and need that. That's what uh, that's what this the picture of this uh, calculator looks like it's doing. Yeah, so on the picture, it's like. Uh, for, I don't know. I mean, do you operate your switch? Like, Who operates your switch long ways? Like, is, is that a thing? Like stand your switch up vertically. And then oh. start typing on it like a big cell phone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I used to think of that old, uh, oh, it was a show that used to come on Comedy Central where they did the skits with a really big phone. Mm. So it makes me think of, let me get out of my calculator. <laughs> Can you tell, tell me this from this picture. Does it not look like it says Call of Duty? That's what <laughs> I mean. It's know, like the same colors. I'm glad you said that, because when I when I read this, I thought it had something to do with Call of Duty. And then I, exactly I, actually, like I had to read it and then I was like, well, this had nothing to do with Call of Duty. But I, they, they <laughs> had to steal the font like right from Call of Duty, like the exact font of the yeah. the Call of Duty words. Like, yeah, it's just like this the Call of Duty, same like off whitish thing going on. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if this was like if this came out like April 1st, I would have thought this was a total joke, but it's not. So real. It's a it's a real thing. I bet and you know what? I I bet people have already downloaded this and using it to their full functionality. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, go throw it on your wish list. Yeah, yeah, put it on my Maybe wish list. Maybe somebody will buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh on the article, the little uh, like I guess not catchphrase, but to say what's better than a few rounds of Pokemon or Animal Crossing? Crunching numbers. This math <laughs> checks out. <laughs> uh, you're gonna see this in the, the what's it? Top sellers. Top I'm surprised sellers. they didn't throw that in a uh, direct. <laughs> oh, that'd have been great. Have a direct really basically focused around this. <laughs> <laughs> you got the whole. Uh, Presentation. Doug Bowser out there drops the curtain. Nintendo calculator for the win. <laughs> yeah. Slap Mario beside it. It's fine. Mario Nintendo calculator. <laughs> Not even like theme Nintendo theme colors either. No, it's it's really out there. Like the uh, it doesn't look very Nintendo-y. If that's a if that's a word we want to use. Guess they were going for function more than. Does, <laughs> does color contribute to functionality? Like, yeah. 
I, I imagine. I don't know. It'd make you want to press the buttons more. Yeah, very true. I don't have my switch on me enough to where I would be like, oh, I got to close this. I need to pull up a calculator real quick. Yeah, hey, what's the boot time on this? Is this something I got to wait for it to load? Is it going to have a Nintendo splash screen? Like all this and so I can calculate? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold on the idea of uh, having this, but. I think it's the price that really. I don't see why it's not free. It really gets me. <laughs> yeah. Why is it just not or free? A dollar? Yeah. Maybe. 90, 90 cent. Like I can find an indie game on Nintendo Switch for under a dollar. Under a dollar. A whole $10 for you this. Get more enjoyment than your calculator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that turns me away from it more than anything. It's just that price point. It's just, yeah, just no. doesn't seem. Wonder if they're gonna come out as a physical copy. <laughs> Imagine that you gotta go find the game card for your calculator. <laughs> That'd make me so angry. I gotta crunch the numbers real quick. <laughs> or somebody leaves the calculator game card in, you gotta take it out. It's like, man, make sure you save your progress. Save your progress. Get hit that memory function button that nobody knows how to use. That M button on the calculator. Is that even a thing anymore? Let me look. MC. Is that memory clear? Then you could add memory. Nobody ever uses their button. Too complicated. Did I lose you? There you are. Nope. I didn't hear you for a while. Oh. Guess we're I think we're good. <laughs> I was just uh, running on about the uh, the memory buttons on the calculator. <laughs> that was like the last thing I heard was like, they don't even make that anymore on it. I guess they do. It's on this one. I was just saying that nobody knows how to operate these buttons. It just doesn't make sense. Whatever, though, I guess. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and send you a you know, $10 eShop card so you can scoop Ooh. that. I don't want you to feel left out from the, the rustling fan base over this, so. <laughs> yeah, I got to race to try to get it. Yeah, you don't want to be the last guy on the train is all I'm saying. Like you want to be able to get your seat and get get playing with this early. I've dropped full review. Need my calculator on my phone and that one on the switch at the same time. Yeah, you can so actually compare. Crunch. Yeah, that's how you get a freaking aneurysm, I'm sure, in, in your brain. <laughs> Trying to punch separate numbers at different times on different devices. Different Two different size devices. <laughs> but if anybody's looking to pick that up, that is on Nintendo's eShop. Nintendo calculator. $9.99. <laughs> Story number two. We have an unspeakable game jam pokes fun at Epic Games versus the Apple trial. So we got Gabe Gerwin at uh, GameSpot. He says the trial is for anyone who wants to make a game that definitely has a beginning and an end. Scrolled way too far. There we go. During the ongoing trial between Epic Games and Apple, the latter company accused Epic Games of the following unspeakable titles on its store because it supports itch.io, an indie game platform where anyone can publish their work. Some of these were previously labeled as an adult for a variety of reasons. Itch.io added an unspeakable search tag as a cheeky response, and organizers are now hosting an unspeakable jam to poke for their fun at Apple's bizarre language. A whole bunch of developers seem interested too. With more than 60 developers already signed up, the Unspeakable Jam is open for submissions until June 12th because, in other words, in 
the words of its organizer, that's as long as the joke will be funny. In addition to making the games that presumably contain some degree of adult content participants, games must have a beginning and end with challenges in between. This is another jab at Apple who used a very rigid definition for games during the trial. The unspeakable tag on itch.io currently ha- only has 42 games, and most of these don't contain anything as morally dis- uh, despicable as Apple implied. However, there are a whole bunch of very adult games that don't make use of silly tag. So Apple's argument isn't entirely without merit. So do you think this is uh, Apple being too controlling on their other apps here? I think so. Seems real silly. The whole nonsense of it's silly. I don't understand why. It just seems like they're grabbing. They're just grabbing for something. Yeah. They're like a dictatorship over their, their, their app store. I don't understand why uh, they're making this so difficult for people to put content on there and then put it on there in the the way that pleases them rather than labeling it as such as whatever Apple wants, right? So is is this from the the Itchio thing? That's from what is it? Does Epic own that or it's on their store? Because I know it's its own separate website too. Right, but I think this is through epic right like so epic uh yeah you know they support these these indie developments or whatever and they're getting fed through onto the apple store and apple okay. doesn't doesn't like the uh i guess how they're labeled for how these pop up in their search basically okay that's what i wasn't sure of if it was uh going through there or if they were just like we don't want to deal business some company that has this, uh, you know, this option to the side. Right. No, I think they just don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure like over at Apple, this is like algorithmic like done somehow. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody mm-hmm. not like, let me go ahead and tag this game as unspeakable. Like I'm sure there's something or there's something triggering this to happen possibly. And I don't know the approval process on how none of that works on Apple's devices or or what the developers have to go through they get their their content on their store seems like it's a big hassle more so with apple than any of these other ones oh yeah for sure oh you know how apple is anyways i mean just itunes and you know the whole that whole thing back in the day with you know ipods and you couldn't transfer your music without using itunes and all that kind of stuff couldn't plug it into anyone else's without like to try to get like a song from them. Yeah. You'd have to go through the software. It was, it was a whole loop of things and it just troublesome problems you had to deal with just to get a, a couple songs like, yeah, you know, but Apple's always been more, uh, more based upon like how they wanted to control their media. And I guess that's how they made a livelihood this far. So you're right about that. I mean, you got Epic games out here. They make their own game engines and they support, Indie development, they support, you know, their own, you know, their own uh, storefront now. So, and they, I'm sure they're open to putting whatever content they want on their storefront. Yeah, they're up against Steam still, like the other, the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I want to say I read an article, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was like they spent like 11 million and just free stuff to give out on that, the game store in the past just period of time. 
just to try to attract audience because there's so much audience on Steam. Nobody's going there. I mean, they're losing money every day on Epic Game Store because they can't they can't sway that the Steam, you know, the Steam fan base and all that. And I think there's reasons why. I mean, I have, we, I mean, I'm sure both of us have our own reasons why we don't use the Epic Game Store as a mm-hmm. primary, you know, way to get digital content. I think uh, I think I'd read something. Uh, Steam is actually having a class lawsuit against them right now. Yeah, I want to say something. I, something I, I didn't look into it, but it was something about um about the sales and all that. I think is what it was, but. I don't know if it ties in with the Epic right now, but. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, Steam's, I mean, Valve, the company itself is a huge company as well. Right. Still don't know why they didn't develop Left 4 Dead 3, but it's to to be (laughs) debatable on another another time. (laughs) They don't do threes. They don't do threes. Half-Life 2. Left 4 Dead 2. Portal 2. <laughs> you know, if I could pick one out of all those games, it would be Portal 3. I would totally be down for Portal 3. Right. Just give me that. I'll be happy. We got back for blood coming, so we don't we don't need you left for dead three. You keep it, Valve. <laughs> yeah, you hold on. And then Half-Life um, th- Half-Life 3. I'm sure somebody's already probably making that fan based free creation or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least they got a uh, Half-Life Alex. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's some. I give it to him there. On uh, on that article, though, I that I'm sure that'll get itself worked out. But that uh, Itchio, I know it says so much for indie developers, and there's still I, I think it has a pretty large horror base on there too, like indie horror games mm. and some some pretty solid ones. So. You know, I hope they keep doing stuff. And this is just a, especially the game jams. I know that's where they always do them. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. But they'll, they'll be all right. Oh, they'll be just fine. Apple needs to go just worry about their own. Yeah, Apple's got right now with them. They got enough, uh, enough things going on. <laughs> They're reaching out, trying to pull everything else in. Anyways, story number three. More fun with Epic Games here. Just can keep the, keep the train rolling. We have Epic Games offered $200 million for a deal with Sony for up to six PC PlayStation ports. Oh, is that it? Yeah, $200, $200 million. That's just... He's going to slide that over, you know. But uh, Andy Robinson at VGC says Epic Games offered a $200 million minimum guarantee to Sony for four to six PC PlayStation ports. That's according to confidential PDF document included. I don't know. I like how they put confidential PDF document, but they're telling us about it. According to a confidential. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's not that <laughs> yeah, actually, it's not confidential, but we're going to label it as confidential because at one point it was. <laughs> it says included on ongoing Epic uh, Apple trial, which was reportedly briefly uploaded to Case's public server. According to the document, Epic Games was at one point targeting all three console platform holders for potential content deals for its PC game store. The document states that Nintendo talks were essentially a non-starter while opening discussions with Microsoft were complicated by the, by the fact that it was essentially a competitor for content deals and that his PC Game Pass leader was against Epic's strategy. On PlayStation, a doc states that Epic was awaiting feedback on its $200 million minimal guarantee offer for four to six games, which would see Epic take the hit 
should those titles generate less revenue than that figure. Since Sony's first PC port, Horizon Zero Dawn, debuted on Steam, and its next date is gone, is also coming to Valve's platform, it is possible the company did not take up Epic's offer. In a corporate report published last summer, Sony first said it would explore bringing more PlayStation exclusives to PC following Horizon Zero Dawn's release on the platform. Then earlier this year, SIE president confirmed PlayStation will bring a whole slate of games to PC, starting with Days Gone port set to release this month. Speaking to GQ, SIE boss Jim Ryan said the opportunity to bring PlayStation IPs to a wider, wider audience, as well as an easier port process, meant that making more games for PC was now a fairly straightforward decision for the company. That's why SIE is now embracing PC, whereas before it was hesitant to bring its games to the platform, Ryan said, I think a few things change. We find ourselves now in early 2021 with our development studios and the games that we make in better shape than They've ever been before, particularly from the latter half of the PS4 cycle. Our studios made some wonderful, great games. So you, I don't see Sony doing that at all. No. <laughs> I don't think Sony needs yeah. any marketing help or any reason to to do this at all with Epic Games. I'm really surprised that they even tried talking to Nintendo. Yeah, it's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> they that just seems so far out like uh, that's they're the bottom ones that you would even think about asking because you know there's no other like place for any nintendo titles no there's the, yeah imagine playing super smash brothers on your pc yeah like it's not it's not a thing it's not going to be a thing it's never going to be a thing that's uh, insane. The Microsoft, too. That's not far off. Yeah, Microsoft has their own way to play. Like, they don't need to port anything to PC. Microsoft is yeah, PC. Like, there. like, come on now. You couldn't even put Epic Games Store on a PC without Microsoft. I don't know. I don't think either yeah. of these choices were great. Yeah, no. I, I can't see Microsoft being like, yeah, sure, we'll send people over there, even though we have this uh, what is it? Not set up, but we have this own deal over here. You know, our Game Pass that you pay, and then you get all of our content on your PC. Exactly. But yeah, sure. We'll send you over there to pay full price for all these games. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any make, sense. It doesn't make any sense unless they went to like like third party studios that their games were. It's it still doesn't. It's not something Microsoft is going to even think about. No, I'm sure it just blew right over. They probably just read the email from them and be like, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. And nope. And <laughs> probably, that's got probably more than Nintendo did. Yeah, it's probably still a little bit more. It just went straight to the trash. <laughs> that's just silly. Nobody's nobody's doing that on Nintendo. I don't care what Epic Games thinks they have over there on the Epic Game Store. It ain't, it ain't going to be Nintendo. I'm very surprised about that. Possibly having uh Samus and um, Fortnite. Oh, yeah. Yep. With that leak. Yeah, that's a I, I still don't. Unless that was like an only Nintendo exclusive thing, but you wouldn't even be able to. I don't know. Just doesn't seem like something they would do. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't foresee seeing a Nintendo game on your PC anytime soon. <laughs> anytime soon. 
especially like anything first party. It's not it's not going to be there. Especially, you know, they I mean, launching that Nintendo calculator and all, it just shows the robustness <laughs> of their their platform. <laughs> That's what they're going to put on there. Yeah, we'll, like, sure. we'll give you this one for 200 million. <laughs> you, could, you could have the exclusive price of the Nintendo calculator on your, <laughs> at the game store. What do you think? What do you think? 200 million? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not good. Hmm? Maybe more. You're right. 250 million. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely underselling themselves. Yeah, I, I believe they're going to stick with Steam because it's already set up and they already know the market's there. I mean, they saw how huge the Horizon Zero Dawn was on there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why they would. I don't see why they wouldn't put it on Steam. Steam obviously is going to sell the best. Regardless, of, I mean, I mean, you got other platforms that you could sell digital content on. I think Steam is obviously number one. Then you got mm-hmm. uh, Epic Game Store is probably number three. Then you got what, GOG? Oh, yeah. They're probably the second. They've been around for a little bit, too. They have a a long, long time. I remember that back when, even like when first installing Steam, I I can't remember if it was you that told me about them. Maybe picking up something from there, if it was, maybe I'd seen it on somebody advertising it on YouTube. I I don't remember. Yeah, but they've been, they they definitely have to have a better marketplace than uh, Epic Games. There's no way that. They're getting undersold by them. And they got they got free stuff on there at times and stuff and coupon codes will send you all the time. So I'm pretty sure they got a well-established, you know, fan base or user base. I guess I would say not fan base. But it's definitely a good way to get yeah, digital we, content as well. So We both talked about it that we really don't want five different platforms or clients that you need to open to play a different game. Absolutely. Stresses yeah. me out. Yeah, you need all these different launchers and clients and all this stuff to get the to, to play something. You're like, I don't. Why do I need all this software installed just to play a game? Why can't I just install the software like the game itself and just play it? And then it just links through the game to whatever server, or whatever it is. There, yeah. Why do I need the the actual client launcher and all this stuff to make it work? And it's just like give me the real run around. You know, every time I I fire up, you know, nothing against Epic Games. Every time I fire up their thing, I get like 14 notifications pop up. Oh, get this, get that. This is on sale. This is free. This person sent you a friend request. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want all that. Just let me look at the the catalog or whatever I'm here for. I don't want them friends. Yeah. Like who's playing on Epic Games? You know, like if I, if I get on Steam, I can obviously see, oh, Jacob has been playing this for this long. Oh, he's been doing this or he earned all the achievements in this. Like. I, I, it gives me a reason to add people in there rather every games, you know, you're going to add people for like in-game party reasons other than that as a community. I don't, I don't see it being beneficial. Hey, I, I agree with you on that one. And it's just all, all the more reason. Why do I need it as a launcher? Why can I just not go to the, usually when I go to it on my phone. I just go to Epic game store, go right onto their webpage and do everything I need to do. I don't even need the launcher. But you got to add the launcher if you want to play a game off their store. And that's where the uh, the old hiccup is with that whole operation. They definitely give away those free games. I mean, yeah, they do. But that's also not a very good business strategy if that's all you're doing all the time. Like you said, or the article, they 
put out a chunk of money. Yeah, they're they're definitely losing money. I mean, the only reason they were doing it is just to gain, you know, users. Okay, like yeah. get our name out there, show that we have content that you can get here, show that we have deals and sales, and here's some free stuff for spending your time here. I mean, I get it and all, but I think still at this point they're still losing money left and right on Epic Game Store, just due to that. You know, reason. they spend a lot. Of, they spend a lot in doing like exclusives, so like you have to. It'll be on there for a year or first or six months or something. Um, yeah, for sure. But then but those I, people that you know, you know went there, they're gone after that. Like you're not holding on to anybody. Yeah, I st- I know people that'll still be like, oh well, I guess I'll just wait till it comes on Steam. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I had a I had another buddy that he would just I know it was Borderlands came out Borderlands three and he was like, ah, oh, it's on there for a year. So I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it all boils down to I mean, it's not your primary platform, anyways. Everybody just wants to use Steam. It's, I'm surprised they didn't just sign some contract with Steam. Okay, let's let's combine our forces and make you know a truly epic game store, but, like Sirius and XM when they merged when they bought each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, same concept. Some kind of merger and get these platforms together, and then you can you know you got all the extra assets and capital to work with. So they got all that Fortnite monies. Rolling in it. Rolling in the Fortnite monies. Alrighty. So story number four. This is a follow-up about that uh, studio where I was telling you about before. But uh, Six Google Stadia staff leave to join Haven Entertainment. So Liam Wiseman at IGN wrote, following the departure of Google Stadia's head of product, it has been discovered that another six key Stadia staff have left the company. However, all six have joined the newly established Haven Entertainment Studios, the Montreal-based studio working on a new IP for Sony. As noted by the post on Reset Era and discovered via LinkedIn profile, Stadia Games and Entertainment's general manager, Sebastian Puel, head of creative services and publishing, Corey May, staff UX researcher, Jonathan Dankoff, graphics programmer, Pierre, Mark, Bub, Burb, and concept artist Erwin Lee Rousey and Francis Dinanen Court have all left the new roles at the swiftly expanding Haven Entertainment Studios. All these people have very unique names, by the way. Very unique. In the new roles at Haven, Puel is a co-founder, made the world slash IP director Dankoff the Insights Director, Lee Rousick and Dion and Court are concept artists, and Arub, a software engineer, Haven Entertainment Studios was founded earlier this year when Jade Raymond, who previously ran Google Stadia's games and entertainment studio, left the company to create her own development studio in Montreal, citing the desire to get back to what I love doing most and do so in a way that gives her team the freedom to explore, inspire, and create. The studio was quickly supported by Sony to develop a new exclusive IP for PlayStation platforms. Raymond has previously worked at Ubisoft and EA and is known for her work leading EA's Motive Studio in Ubisoft Toronto. Google Stadia Games Entertainment was shut down earlier this year 
with a desire to use this platform for third-party games development. At the time, Google said it would try to find new roles in the company for those affected, but it's clear that some decided that this was the time to jump ship. However, this is not the first report of troubles within the Stadia development. As earlier this year, it was reported that Google was having to spend millions of dollars on porting AAA games and difficulties with the development pipeline. It is not yet known what the team is at Haven is working on, but given the success of gathering high-profile AAA talent and Sony's backing, it is likely to play an important part in Sony's exclusive games strategy moving forward. Haven Entertainment Studios was founded with a desire to be a haven for developers, said Raymond earlier this year. Given the, what is happening with Stadia, it looks like the vision is coming true. So they're definitely piecing this together. What do you think? I think so. Um, Stadia, this really seems like it's struggling. Do you think it's uh, think it's going to be up much longer? I mean, I, Google has said that they're going to still offer you know, games on it. I mean, Google obviously has so much money. It's ridiculous that they could support this probably forever and, and really not take a loss, you know, to, to the company itself. But the uh, development process and stuff, I mean, I could definitely see in this just sustaining it at right now just to keep it alive. So the name and stuff still out there and maybe they'll revise this somehow when streaming comes more of a essential thing rather than a, you know, a luxury. So, yeah, just a thing, which is another option. Yeah. And Google, uh, you know, for the longest time, I never really understood what Stadia was when they first released this. I was like, I don't don't even understand the concept of what this is trying to be. Like, they're sending me this controller and and like what I do with it. You know, it was it was very (laughs) poorly marketed. I thought it wasn't it wasn't easy to understand and they didn't really explain the fact that you need, you need this robust internet and all this other stuff to make this work. And, and you know, the games coming here and how it works and all this stuff. And I don't think that was marketed well and it wasn't targeted probably towards the right audience to begin with. No. And I think that's what, you know, ultimately caused them to suffer, you know, losing their development process, you know, Google itself, you know, they got so much going on. I don't think they need to even be in that game right now. And they got so many other already established, talented studios that can do the job for them. Yeah, I I agree with you on the um, marketing wise. Like, I I remember when it first was coming out, they think they sent off and sponsored a bunch of content creators and sent them everything to do videos and try it out. Because I, I think one of the first ones all in there was like Destiny 2. And I just remember seeing, oh, you, you could start in this room and then go over to this room and bam, you're right here doing the same thing. Right. It's just that demand for you need a constant, steady, pretty high internet to uh, keep her going. Yeah, that's super high to ban. The stream, I mean, it's a lot of content. I mean, you're pulling a lot of data when it comes to streaming a game. It's way more than just watching a movie on Netflix. It yeah. has it has to be. There's so many assets and textures and all this stuff that are in a game that you know has to render and has to be downloaded and it has to download it fast enough so it can render, so the game doesn't look like you know a slideshow. And it's like, <laughs> I don't. And, it, and I, I just think it was all just poorly explained on how all that works. Like, yeah, you exactly how you said. Oh, you go to this one room, and then you can play in this other room. Like. Okay, but how how does that work? Like nobody's telling me, and I think that's what killed. Like there wasn't no ambition there for people to run out and get this when it came out because they don't even know what it is. Right, and it 
it it didn't offer anything like crazy exclusive except for hey you can do that (laughs) (laughs) nice got this one game you've been working on how long (laughs) but yeah i just don't see and you don't even really see anybody like content creator wise when i'm searching around or watching stuff i i I've not heard anything about Stadia in a very long time. Yeah, I don't think that's where people are playing. No, I mean, not anymore. I and mean, whatever small base of people they had already, I don't think. I mean, I mean you know, go. Ahead. Yeah, why Why would you if you have something already? Yeah, for it sure. does it. And is it works and you don't have to worry about that connection issue. Or even the regular game itself. Yeah, you might get some normal lag, but. If you take Destiny 2's example, you're playing that on Stadia and it's trying to stream all that to you, plus the multiplayer, if you're doing that, like in the the PvP stuff. Yeah, that's just that much more data pool. I just don't see it holding up like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, you gotta have really good internet, and I think people just make that mistake thinking their internet's good enough, and it's like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. If you, th- if you think your internet's good enough, like, it's probably not good enough. It never you, is. No. <laughs> And when it comes to this, it's, it's blatantly clear when you try to use something like this that it's just not sustainable on, on whatever plan that you have. You know, some people use, uh, you know, wireless hotspots and stuff product through Verizon and their phone carriers and rural areas that people don't have high speed Internet. And yes, yeah. you, you might be able to play a match of Call of Duty online with, you know, managing your latency to an extent that, you know, it's playable. But trying to pull data through something like this is just un- unsustainable. It's not going to work. It melt your phone. It would. It would just burn it right out. Or whatever wireless receiver you're using to ping the tower or whatever <laughs> you're doing. It's just not. It's not a thing. And, you know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure, you know, the, the whole the Amazon Luna thing that came out is the same exact thing. Like, it's exactly the same as this, except for it's provided through and supported by Amazon. And this is, I mean, it's going to fall into the same fate. If I, I think we're just not here, we're not there yet with the streaming thing. I think we're trying to get ahead of the game. And I think there's probably ways to work around making this work. And that's just, I don't think we got the tech figured out to make that happen yet. Yeah, to make it usable by a, a wider audience than what it yeah. actually is. I believe both, the, you know, the, it's a really ambitious idea, a really big idea. Not saying that it's bad, it's just there's not much behind it either. Yeah. They don't have much meat, meat and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're missing some part of that. They're, they're offering you a meal and just giving you the salad and like, <laughs> you're not getting the rest of the course, you know, exactly. But, uh, and, and just, it doesn't have anything specifically to like, this is a stadia exclusive. Yeah. Exactly. Check out this triple a awesome game. You're, you just have the same things that majority of people own, like a, at least one console. And then sometimes PC too. So you're going to be able to play all the stuff that's already on there. Yep, exactly. Now, I, th- I think there's ways to make this work. Uh, I, th- I, I put a little bit of thought into this, actually. Let's let's run some ideas here. A way to make a way to make Google Stadia or Amazon Luna a functional service for more than people that can afford Internet. How about making the controller? Now, hear me out now. Take the controller 
and have a limited storage space, some kind of SSD in the controller. So it fits that you can download, take the controller anywhere you want and it can download whatever game or whatever you desire to be on that on your drive. And then you can use the Wi-Fi in your TV to link it and play whatever is stored onto your controller. That's a pretty cool idea. That would work. Now say now say you did have mediocre internet. This was Deller idea I thought would maybe possibly work if you couldn't do all the storage things with the controller. I, well, one I don't understand how it does. How, like, how do you run these high demanded games with just streaming it anyways? Like, where is this? What is running this game? I don't know how that works. But if this if this concept makes sense too, let's try this out. Let's take the controller, some kind of you know, super fast. They got these super fast SSDs now that can move data very fast. Main reason you can't stream a game is because you can't download it fast enough. So what if, you know, you know, the service itself knew that your connection wasn't fast enough and it was like, hey, let this, you know, sit for 10 minutes at your speed. This needs to sit for 10 minutes. They get ahead of itself far enough so it can keep up as you're playing. And it just cycles the data onto the SSD and then deletes it as you're playing in free space, hmm. like a rotating buffering system. I don't know if that makes so sense. It's either. always ahead. No, no, it does. So it's always a little bit ahead. It's the yeah. same thing. Like when you have to buffer videos, like, <laughs> yeah, you got to pause it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Same concept. Yeah, watch five minutes. But once you like play through that 10 minute portion that you waited for, that part is gone. It, it takes it right off the SSD and it just, it, it constantly makes more room. So you're not filling storage. You're just using it as a, like a traffic to let it flow through. Something like that, I think would be more understandable and say, uh, you don't want, I mean, maybe you don't want to play. Maybe you're out camping or something and you have a portable DVD drive or something and you want to be able to plug this device into, I mean, that, that would make so much more sense. And you'd or be you able could to take it to someone else's house. Yeah. <laughs> throw it on um some uh, somebody else's TV. I don't know. You go over for a family dinner at grandma's house. Yeah. Yep. And you just take your, that TV up. take your paddle with you. And then, you know, if you got some free time, you pop plopper in, or you could use it to show off a new game or something. Maybe, you know, it mm-hmm. even help with the marketing of some of these small indie titles. Like, Hey, look at this new, new, new game that came out on Stadia and you could plop it on the TV with your, your device and, They'd be like, man, I'm going to get me one of those controllers. And there it is. You done sold a device. You sold an exclusive game. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like the there, there's potential there. And I just don't, I don't think we're there. I think the idea is there. I think the idea is in the right place. I just don't think we can utilize it correctly yet. Yeah, it's definitely something I think that needs a couple more years. Honestly, VR was the same way. Yeah, true. That took a few... Uh, few years for it to really instead of becoming like a uh, gimmick to move it into actual something like a staple that you know that works right works good yeah the VR thing is pretty pretty extraordinary the first time you put the headset on then after that you're kind of chasing that moment if that makes sense you're always looking yeah, for the, the next, yeah, you know, the next revolutionary thing that you can see in VR. Like the first time you sit in a spaceship where you're like, wow, this is incredible. Like I can see the joysticks and stuff by my hands and 
it looks so real. Like ever since that time you put the headset on for the first time, you're always looking for that next like all inspiring moment. And it's uh, some of the games just don't capture that very well. No, but that's still a growing. I mean, it's fairly, fairly new. Oh, with yeah. how they've progressed, at least for sure. Even though it's been like, you know, years since a lot of them first came out, like the really, really good ones to consumer market, I guess not, you know, companies and development and all that. It's it's really increased and shown, you yeah. know, promise that it's turning into something more than just, ah, look, it's like I'm standing in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Look at that fish. Look at that fish, would you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you could definitely tell which which some of these companies have better funding and stuff for some of these these games. Some of them are they're extraordinary, and they don't need to be long experiences. They just need to be like a, the whole thing needs to be a wow moment. That's what you're looking for, like something to remember. Maybe they just need like a like another department. Not that the guys and girls of Stadia, they're you know, not that they're doing anything wrong, but maybe they need like another a department to come in and also help with trying to figure out a different idea to do it. Like we we're talking about. Yeah. Or just different marketing or, Hey, let's take a step back and figure out some kind of revamp that would bring this to a wider audience and make it worth their while and worth the money that they would spend on this. Yeah, for sure. Give them a reason. Yeah. I think the whole, the whole, like, you know, the whole thing needs to be kind of reworked. The marketing really does need to be simplified so it's understandable for all audiences. Like, what is this? What's it do? How does it work? Like, those three questions. If you can answer all three of those in a, a short segment that is understandable enough, you would catch people in just like that. People are really reluctant to spend money on something they don't understand, like, what it is. Yeah. They're, not, they're just not going to buy it. Like, and it's like, how does this work? You know, why, why do I need this? I can play all these games they have advertised on my current console. So they just need something to be able to grab people in and they got to have the wide enough audience for them to pick and choose like this grouping of people. Okay. Like I know we're going to get this age group from this group, to this group, or we're going to get the, this, you know, class people are going to look into these devices or they need to broaden that. Instead of looking towards people that have very good internet, you know, are adamantly into gaming, like they, they get, they need more to pull people into that. They uh, Google out of everyone should know, like in times now where information is everything and it's at your fingertips at all times that one, one or two, let's say bad reviews or something, anything that might be wrong, somebody that'll pop up on some of the first things you search for and majority of people tend to believe the first thing that they read and see on the internet or on something, regardless of looking past anything else, they won't look into it past that. So yeah. you get one thing like, Hey, Stadia is cool, but is it? So they're like, no, nah, I don't need it. I'll just save up and try to get a PlayStation or I'll save up and try to get an Xbox. Yeah. That's what most people are going to do. Cause they know what those things are too. I know, I know what I'm getting there. And uh, I know we talked about that before. Consoles are the most user friendly because you 
nothing you need to upgrade in it. It all comes right there. You know yeah. it's going to play a game. If you get it, you know right. it's going to do something. You know, <laughs> right out the box. You know it'll be able to do it. There's no like, oh, I didn't look at the specs. Unless you buy a uh, Shadow of Mordor on Xbox 360. Ooh. That does not run on Xbox 360. <laughs> right there with its bloody <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. You, go ahead them. And you can keep those. Keep those games. And I'm mad all over again. <laughs> Man, I remember getting that, that uh, Shadow of Mordor on 360 on sale. Black Friday. I was like, man, I can't wait to play. I can't. I cannot wait to play this. It's going to be good. So it's be a super good run around hack and slash open world kind of adventure thing. Put that thing in and the rocks don't even load. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> is this how it's supposed to look? Why is there? Why is the ground have no texture, just color? <laughs> oh, man, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. But yeah, like you were saying, uh, Google, I think they're definitely going to figure this out. I think they'll have to take time. And it's going to be a while, I think, to see a revised device for this. Uh, as that goes, I don't think Amazon's going to last. I think Amazon doesn't have the resources or the talent that Google has in the computing space uh, to really narrow this down. I don't think it's in their specialty. Yeah, they've struggled even to put out any of the games that they've been trying to work on. They've shut the majority of them down. Yeah, you got one game, New Worlds, or New World. I think coming out in this fall, I do believe. I think you're right. Weren't they working on Lord of the Rings something too? Uh, I don't know. I think every game they they were doing, like you said, I think got canceled. So if that was if that was one of them, I don't think it's coming out no more. (laughs) Plus, it's something new, freshly like announced. Yeah, then New Worlds is what I see. That's I'm pretty sure that's the only thing. Yeah. Well, people are saying that's actually good, so time will tell when that does come out. They had a beta thing, and uh, people were saying it was pretty decent. But it also was lackluster in content and wasn't ready, so they they pulled it for like another year or so. As they should. (laughs) As they should. (laughs) All right, so story number five. I'm going to... Forewarning, this is I only put part of this article in here just because of the fact that it contains spoilers for the rest of the article. So mm-hmm. I didn't I, I didn't read the rest of the article. Um, if anybody's interested, I'll tell you where to find this article. But for the sake being of not spoiling anything, you know, about this, then I just excluded it altogether. But you get the concept from this first paragraph. Mm-hmm. But uh. A filmmaker claims Capcom copied one of their movie monsters for Resident Evil Village. And uh, Stephen T. Wright at GameSpot says a Dutch filmmaker has accused Capcom of stealing a monster design from one of its films in Resident Evil Village. Richard Raphorst, who directed the 2013 horror film Frankenstein's Army, claimed in a recent LinkedIn post, uh, I guess credited to VGC, that Capcom copied a distinctive monster from that film for a boss fight. And uh, the article, I do believe, uh, continues on to explain that part of the game and all that kind of stuff, which really isn't necessary to explain anyways. So just going to leave that out. But if you, you know, you can go to GameSpot's website, you can find this article about Capcom. It's right on their website. If you did beat the game and you're looking for some lore, or some reason to look up more RE8 stuff. But uh, what, what what do you feel about that? You think this is 
you think there's some bait here to bite on or or is it just uh, uh somebody looking to get some money it might be that and it, if it's really weird uh and it falls in like a weird category for some of these things because i had watched something a little while back about somebody uh claiming that disney stole uh finding nemo from them they took their design and everything but it's a really weird fine line that some of this stuff falls in because somebody can look at something and be like oh i want to take that and make it in something i want to do to just inspire it by that mm. like they would have to blatantly have taken exactly what this thing looks like from there and slapped it right into this game <laughs> even to have like you know uh i guess an ounce of an argument very true. And they're still going to look into a bunch of other things. True. I don't know. I, I'm i skeptical about this. I don't, I don't think Capcom's that, that naive anyways. Yeah. To even try to falsify, like, you know, oh, we didn't, we didn't steal that, yada, yada. Like, they're not going to. And why would they? Well, yeah, why would they? Well, what are they gaining out of that? I mean, they got a, like a, one of the most renowned series is, you know, Capcom has produced. Like they don't need, they got enough for the original content lore and stuff like that in these titles that they don't need whatever this guy's claiming that they stole. Yeah. That's why I, it's probably something like maybe somebody was, if even maybe they were inspired by, or somebody had an idea and they all, you know, brainstormed into something. Or uh, make some speculation here. Let's see what the, what this movie is. Let's see what they're uh what they pulled in for this movie. I've never heard of it, have you? No. But up here, I don't particularly want to dig too hard because I don't want to see uh Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I- I'll read uh, a little bit. A little bit. I just want to see what what uh what it costs to produce. Right now it's got a 5.4 on IM uh DB uh, 56 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49 on Metacritic. It appears to be 26 minutes long. 26 minutes? Yep. Uh, let's see. I just want to see how much it costs. I was looking at the front front poster. Oh, thing running time, 84 minutes. Sorry. 84 minutes. So they got some pretty cool monsters in there just from the, the poster or whatever. Yeah. Not seeing a production cost. That's kind of odd. Anyways, by looking at the, uh, you know, the cover art, it looks like this is definitely like a, uh, like a, what a B, B tier movie. Yeah. B horror, I guess. So yeah, it was a low, I wouldn't say low budget and I've never seen it. I'm not going to judge it, but lower budget, uh, film. So that, I mean, there's you know, always the potential that these guys are looking to, to claim some extra change for their pockets, uh. I don't want to make that speculation without knowing anymore, but there's always, you know, people always out there try to. That's typically like that. how, that's how that, that, um, the one I was talking about, that's how it went down. He had went through the hoops and mm. basically tried to make it look like he created it and did it first, which he had done it almost when it was coming out, I think. Mm. Now, in order to claim a copyright on something like this, uh, wouldn't have to match in size, color, everything, design. I think so. I think it's everything has to be like down to the T on it. Yeah. I mean, I could even take, 
mean, I could take Barney and paint him blue and uh, <laughs> give him some pointy teeth. And it's my design now, right? Yeah, not, uh, it, it has to deal with like it has to have bear some resemblance. It has to. Oh, there was like three big things. I know the bear resemblance is one of them. Maybe the names and just the manner how they are. I, I don't think it's going to amount to anything, though. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is either. Just figured I'd share that with everybody. So uh, story number six, this is the uh, pretty big one that's been kind of going on for the last couple of days. I actually uh, brief summary before I read this part is this kind of clarifies what uh, Ubisoft has stated about their free to play services. And uh, so the big uh, shen- shenanigans going on was Ubisoft made a statement stating that uh, they're going to be going more towards a free-to-play market space and dedicating a lot of resources towards that. And that caused a lot of uproar and confusion, I guess, wouldn't you say, about where their heading was in their future? Definitely. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of other developers are like, mm. yeah, It's like, what are these guys doing? But uh, let's see here. I got Eddie at GameSpot says, for at least the past decade, Ubisoft has been nearly cinemas with big budget AAA games that appears on store shelves for $60. But according to his latest earnings call, the publisher seems to be shifting its focus away from its traditional yearly cadence of big games and more towards free to play titles. We've now learned a little bit more on Ubisoft's approach and it's more nuisance and subtle of a change that some might have thought. The publisher said in a statement that Ubisoft will not reduce its AAA output. Instead, the company is trying to support these types of games while also expanding its reaches, reach farther into free to play. Our intention is to deliver a a diverse lineup of games that players will love across all platforms. We're excited to be investing more in a free to play experience. However, we want to clarify that this does not mean reducing our AAA offering. A spokesperson for Ubisoft told GameSpot. Our aim is to continue to deliver premium experiences to players such as Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Riders Republic, and Skull and Bones, to name a few, while also expanding our free-to-play portfolio and strengthening our brands to reach even more players. Analyst Daniel Ahmed of Nyko Partners shared his thoughts. Too, He said it's, no, it's worth noting that the proper interpretation of this is not that Ubisoft would deliver less AAA premium games, but that that it is other non AAA premium content such as free to play or even just dance will become more important to the business. It's not about less. It's about more. As reported by VGC, Ubisoft's chief financial officer, Frederick uh, Duguet, started in the call that the company believes that its games lineup is increasingly diverse and that it is no longer expects to put out three to four premium AAA releases each year. Rather, it expects to invest more heavily in free-to-play titles in order to push those towards the AAA level. He caveated that it is purely a financial communication and that the company will continue to put out premium titles. However, the statement reflects a significant change in Ubisoft's posture as the game's industry, as players will likely no longer see the same consistent release schedule for $60 Assassin's Creed, Divisions, Watch Dogs, and Far Cry titles. Ubisoft announced projects already reflected this new strategy. Last week, the company <clears throat> revealed that the Division's Heartland 
which is a free-to-play project in the Divisions universe coming to PC, consoles, and cloud services. In addition, Ubisoft has continued to have success with iterations on Rainbow Six Siege, which has become one of the most popular competitive shooters over the past few years. Alongside these games, Ubisoft is continuing to make premium titles, such as Far Cry 6, Riders Republic, uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine are both still on pace to launch this year, while Skull and Bones has been delayed again until 20. 2022, 2023. So does that help uh, bring some conclusion to what you what you think Ubisoft's doing here? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I first looked originally into this, I thought maybe they were talking about doing their, you know, some of their single player games free to uh, free to play. But I get it. The main thing is that they had huge success with uh, Apex, for sure. And them looking at other ones, such as, what, Call of Duty or Warzone. Yeah, I think and it's, I, like, yeah, fall, falling right in those footsteps of those, those high-end free-to-play. I, I think something that came out that they made a chunk of their money was from mobile uh, microtransactions and the free-to-play games. So I think that's where a lot of this is going, like idea wise. So they're going to start pumping more into these, uh, making the free to play stuff more on a triple A level, but still being free. Mm. Yeah, that's my original intention. I thought we were going to start seeing uh, free to play Assassin's Creed and stuff with loaded with microtransactions and all this nonsense yeah and i was like no 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 i do not want any of this i'm starting to believe that skull and bones they might end up working that towards a free-to-play that's what i was gonna ask yeah i feel like they're trying to structure this around a free-to-play because this game's been in development it seems like freaking forever uh, oh, I, I think what <laughs> 2017, 16, they might have mentioned it. Then I thought it was gone. Then it came back. Yeah. yeah. Did they change the name? Is that what it was? Or was there another one that was coming Very out? Around similar. I don't know. Because <laughs> the story well, behind this that is shortly. Is, uh, it was after. Um, oh, what is it? What's on the Microsoft? Uh, sea of Thieves. Mm. There you go. I remember Skull and Bones sort of popped up after that. So I, I don't know. I, I could I could get them trying to move it towards a free to play. I can see make it more accessible. And that's a new a new IP, so that's definitely the. I could definitely see it being structured for free to play, because they 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 got to have something to try this out with, and they don't want to ruin a series that's already good and they're standing. Yeah, anyways, one, one of their strong ones. And, uh, you know, some like the microtransactions in these games is usually a big turnoff for me. Like, but if it doesn't, in, you know, invoke me to have to buy this stuff or affect my gameplay in any way, then I'm not probably going to buy any of it. But if it does, like, oh, I need to purchase this item or whatever, then I'm probably going to put that game to the side. I'm probably going to be done with it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take that one away. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a shame because some some games are really fun to play. But the constant peer pressure and feeling like I need to purchase something is like it's you know it's a it's a big turn turn off for me when it comes to you know support. If I want to support them, I'll do so on my own free 
free will without being persuaded into doing so. Buying a pack of something that you don't need. Yeah. Yeah, but I want to feel obligated, you know, like, okay, I want to, I want to do this for these guys and support this. This is, uh, I feel like this is worthwhile and it's something I want to keep coming back to. And I feel like that's a different story. Um, whereas I don't need this outfit in Assassin's Creed. I could care less. <laughs> you don't need to sell me yeah. this. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, it's, I, I uh, go ahead. Well, my biggest thing with uh, Ubisoft titles, they're great. It's just the length of them are so like they're so overwhelming. It's like it just taking the, the newer Assassin's Creeds. It's just so much that you can do and that it gives you. It's almost like. I don't know if I want to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a like chore. It, it makes it feel overwhelming. Yeah. And that's the only thing. I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to go with that. Here's a better question, I guess, to uh, I guess to express your point is name the last Ubisoft game you've beaten. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Time to pull up. List of that. (laughs) (sighs) I'm pretty sure I could say mine is probably Far Cry 4. I think mine's one of the Far Cries as well. Um, or like a uh, Assassin's Creed 4, maybe. I, I don't even think I beat that. I know I beat Assassin's Creed 3. But that's when they were much more linear. Yeah, you didn't really have to do a bunch of stuff uh, to where it's at now, where it gives you so much. Yeah. You really gain mm. like a... Uh, like a fatigue from playing Ubisoft games after a while. Yeah, it really becomes like everything. Man, gets... I don't know if I want to. I don't know <laughs> if I want to go and do. I don't have five hours to sit here and do that. Yeah, and five hours could get you nowhere in some of these games. I'll be honest. I don't even know the last time I finished a. It's probably been a. Oh, I played a chunk of Immortals. I do want to finish that. But <laughs> all the other ones. Yeah, it's like their newest title. And I played a chunk of Odyssey. I think we both did that around the same time. Yeah, I tried to s- smolder that game, but I just couldn't. I can I can run through a game really fast if I want to. And for some reason, that game was best in me, like real bad. I was just getting tired. That, does, that, does that make sense? It made you. Yeah, you, <laughs> well, that one you were forced. You had to grind. Yeah, it came to certain parts, so you had to go off and do all these crazy side missions way across the map. And it's like, you know, like I, I want to play the game to enjoy it. And at times I felt like I was just doing it because I have to. And I don't, I don't know. Don't feel like like I sat down and played that ratchet. Ratchet and Clank, the 2016. And uh, right now I'm on the last mission. And that there is no point in that game. I was like, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> And I probably only have like maybe like eight hours tied into it. So it's like, you know, yeah. I, was, I was blowing through it. I didn't feel like I was overly obligated to complete something I didn't have to or nothing like that. Even like the the races and stuff that are in that game. I, I even went and got like the gold medals or whatever on and stuff just because like it wasn't that bad. <laughs> maybe it's the, is it the open world sort of aspect that 
maybe pushes away from it just uh, because of how massive it is. I mean, I, in a sense, like, um, I guess from a personal aspect for me, I can speak, uh, it depends on my craving. Like sometimes I, I want to be told what to do. I don't want to think about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me to just sit there and follow, uh, whatever story it is and just do what it's asking. So I can just immerse myself in that way. Then sometimes I want the, the free will full range of creating and doing as I please, you know, it really is whatever hits at the time. And it has to hit right. You know, it's, if I go to sit down and play this massive open world game, it's gotta like, it's gotta suck me in from the beginning. It can't be like 20 hours in and be like, you're going to enjoy this experience now. Cause I'm probably not going to make it that far, (laughs) which is a lot of what Odyssey did. Like, I really like Odyssey. Don't get me wrong. I like the, the lore. I love the Greek mythology. I love all that stuff. It's got going on for itself. Uh, but the, the act of doing a lot of the stuff in the game is very tiresome. Like I have to now, not only do I have to sail to this island, it's going to take me 15 minutes to get there. I'm going to have to battle various ships to do it. And then I'm going to get there right. just to find out that I'm under leveled and probably just going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to stay all the way to somewhere else. Yeah. This, this, you know, and then I was doing the thing in Odyssey where I went to every question mark like yep so i like 100 percent at every island i went to or i at least discovered everything on the island not not necessarily 100 percent, but found every marker found every thing it was telling me to look at did that and the time i got like 20 hours into that game i felt like i've been playing it for like 100 hours this is it was very tiresome you just get tired of looking at all those areas i was doing the same thing oh i need to do every little thing I think that's what burns me out. I don't think I need to do that. I think I need to just stick to some story and do it. But that game also makes you explore. Like, cause you, you got to level up, you got to fight people. You got to clear the camps. Yeah. And you, you get special things from doing a lot of the side quests too, that you honestly need. Yeah. You also need those items. You need the, the uh, extra stats or whatever for the weapons and stuff. Like uh, one of the, the, what was it? I thought this fight was completely unfair in Odyssey. So small spoiler, but there will be a, like a hunt mission you have to do for said person and hunt these, these beasts scattered throughout the world. Oh, did, yeah. did you ever, you ever get to that part? I did. I think I did two of them. Yeah. The first one is the freaking like this, like massive boar. I think it was. <laughs> yep. And that thing was the most frustrating fight. I think I've done in a game in a long time. Didn't tell you how many times that killed me. And it's it been a long time. Yeah. And you couldn't leave the area because it fully healed as soon as you walk out of like a circle. Yep. And that made me sit, aggravated me so bad. And then the little, little boars, the little animal ones that were circling it, just, just fighting those off alone, just so you could make the other one vulnerable enough was frustrating just on its own. And finally I got through it after, uh, I, I, it took me more tries to beat that boar than it took me to beat the first boss in Returnal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's really saying yeah, something. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> it took me more tries to beat that boar than it took me for the the first boss in Dark, <laughs> and Demon Souls. <laughs> Do a side, a side quest. Yeah. A side quest. Yeah. 
and games that have a renowned known for like hard difficulties, like no problem. That's that's how it shows how you got to Ubisoft has made it. So you have to build your character. Or you just cannot do it like there's no way. And I think that's the tiresome part. Now you got me all rung up about this now. Look at it. Mm-hmm. Why this is a problem boar, with games. It. The freaking boar. You know, I forgot all about that to this moment. And how frustrating that's the that one was. I was thinking of. So I knew where you were going to go <laughs> with it. And the next one was like some kind of like majestic deer. And that wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was going to say it was the deer. Yeah, that, that was nowhere near. No, that was nowhere near the difficulty of that boar. But yeah, I think that's the, I think that's their big problem. It's just, you know, it's cumbersome. The whole game is cumbersome. Like give me more, more to get addicted to and less to get tired of. I feel like they definitely the, did a lot of right. Oh no, go ahead. It's just, there's a lot of, it was, it's, they definitely did a lot of right in it. It's just a lot of stuff that if you're, I have a lot of trouble sitting there and playing only one game. Like I probably <laughs> juggle between a couple. Uh, yeah, for sure. I know I'm not the only one like that. But to sit there and say, cool, I'm going to dump, I don't know, 40 to 60 hours in this game, and you still might not even finish it. It's a hard cookie to swallow. That's, what, that's without including any of the extra stuff that they do. They give you like a 100-hour game minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, they give you the money's worth for it. Oh, for sure. It's just, you know. it's just you, like you say, you burn yourself out so quickly. Yeah. I feel like the Assassin's Creed is probably the worst example of their lineup that has this problem. Uh, Far Cry, they're pretty addicting. They can get, uh, you know, it's, the gunplay's fun. You know, the whole concept of it don't feel like you're, you know, wearing on your bone the whole time. Uh, Far Cry is a little more accepting. Uh, Watch Dogs. I don't have too much experience with Watch Dogs, but if I, I'm assuming if you like Grand Theft Auto, you're probably right up. Watch yeah, Dogs it's about probably the already, same story with you. Same sort of thing. I played the first one and couldn't really get into it. I thought the driving mechanics were pretty terrible. And uh, I kind of got out of it after that. I just couldn't get into it. But yeah, I think that's where I think exactly what you just said a moment ago, where they give you like this hundred hour experience. Uh, I think exactly that's the reason why they want to make a, a couple free to play experiences, because they're so much easier to develop and they can turn a much bigger profit than them developing this hundred hour game. Yeah, they don't have to try to plan yeah. all that content. They can just give you. Hey, here's this battle royale. You know, you are of its content. Whoever's playing. Enjoy. I know it doesn't take a whole lot of resources compared to some of the other games to create something like a battle royale. Yeah, they can develop that in a very short period of time compared to. Yeah, I mean, Warzone, that, that happened so quick. Yeah, they just, they just piece that thing together. And uh, that whatever. was in between. What what was the Black Ops one? Blackout? Blackout, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like they did that after that in between the other game. Yep. Yeah, I feel like Blackout was like their their beta run, their secret, you know, way of trying it out to see if it works. Is it worth uh, constructing a whole battle royale system? Yeah, how are people going to take to it? Are they going to like it? And people really liked it. They really liked Blackout. And, uh, and then, you know, people probably still have the game on their console to play Blackout. I don't know if it's still available. Is it? I think it is. I'm pretty sure if- it is. Like, I'm sure people still play it. 
wouldn't surprise me. Uh, any any other comments for uh, Ubisoft here? Uh, the Just Dance thing makes sense too. Let's say they made Just Dance free to play, and they gave you like so many songs, <clears throat> and then they're going to put any extra ones just as downloadable content. I get that idea of it, and I think that works probably better for the Just Dance series anyway. Yeah, they even sure. offer a uh, like a subscription thing to that where they have their own thing where you can just go on and you have all these crazy songs, like so many. That makes it actually really good. I didn't, I didn't think of it in that aspect, but yeah, to, to have just a free game and you just buy the tracks for it. That makes, that makes actually yeah, perfect I, sense. Yeah. I believe that idea makes sense for the just dance thing. Cause there's still a huge, that has its own following anyway. Yeah. And that's a yearly installment, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that was so big that I think last year was the last year they did the Wii version. Was it Wii or Wii U? Yeah, and that was the Wii. I think it came out. Yeah, that was the last one of them. I think it was the last year they were doing it. I don't think it was 19. I think it was 20. I think it was 2020 was the last uh, Wii Wii game. Which is remarkable in its own. That there's a new game on that. Oh, I did want to mention that. uh, I can really see see the divisions being super successful as a free to play. It's same. I'm not a huge fan of it. I've, I've played a bunch of both of them. It just doesn't really do it for me. But I I definitely see it as a something a free to play title. Yeah, I, it, I basically it's it's like Destiny how they run their stuff now. Yep, as a live service, uh, get as much as you want, you know, kind of thing. And then do the seasons for it. Yep. Or they add like a couple different big, big main story stuff that that makes sense. Yeah, that's a much smarter idea. I think the divisions fits into that, you know, very well. Uh, I think they'll have a lot of success with that. That's how sieges work so well, too. And yeah. going on for so many, so many years. Now. So many years. Yeah. And they got quarantine coming out. Um, I don't know if that ever takes sieges place. So we'll see. Time will tell on that. I think that's going to be fun, even though I know very little about it. But yeah, I think it'll be good. It's been seeming like in development for quite a while. Did you see? Have you seen anything about the GTFO game? Because that reminds me of what Rainbow Six Quarantine might actually be. Sort of like the uh, team based. uh, I guess it's like an alien shooter or something, ain't it? Horror shooter. Yeah. Yeah super difficult you have to work together that'd be cool though so it is that time of the show where we are we're going to cover some resident evil 8 as many may know this got released on the 7th of may that's correct right uh yes (laughs) but i did i did uh gather some some reviews here to to go over I, i didn't include how they got to that verdict because I feel like uh, you were going to cover that for us with your own yeah. firsthand expression. Expression. Nice. Impression. Expressions. Expressions with impressions. My own firsthand expressions. <laughs> but uh, we got a Metacritic has scored Resident Evil 8 The Village at a 85%, which is phenomenal on Meta. Uh, IGN gave it an 8 out of 10. Games Radar gave it a 3.5 out of 5. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. 
And we also have Game Informer at a 9.25 out of 10. So they're all phenomenal uh, scores. I didn't really see any too terrible ones. I found uh, one website that gave it like a 5 out of 10, but I didn't know it's, you know, how trust, any sense. <laughs> trustworthy that was. I was like, oh, what is this? I feel like somebody was bashing it because they got uh, bad feelings towards it or something. So yeah, I, I excluded that. I excluded that. That didn't seem uh, very true or accurate to what uh, is being represented by all these other sites. Uh, I'm not saying that they always have the best opinions either. And that's why we got you. I give you a, <laughs> so you can give us a nice rundown on your first hand experience because uh, I know you're pretty, pretty big into the RE world and I wanted to, uh, I haven't had the experience to play it myself. So maybe you can uh, let us all know what you think and if it's worth, worth that buy or not, if you can make that verdict so soon. Uh, yeah, I believe that uh, a lot of maybe those lower ratings are people that don't really like the first person aspect of it and they much rather prefer the third person like how the remakes did in the original games mm. uh me on the other hand i don't know I, I like it i think it adds a whole new different feel i guess mixed in with the survival horror almost like uh i don't know outlast if it's just because recently i was watching some of outlast because it's been forever since i've seen it but it uh like what they've done so far I, i'm not sure how far i am in the game i don't think i'm halfway yet i'm probably somewhat close to it uh did they give a length or do you know the length of this game what i had saw um were like around the when it first came out i think casually playing it most people were saying around 10 hours which i think is about what seven was um but that's if you just do like one straight through playthrough. Uh, they got the harder difficulty, and then even there's a harder difficulty over top the hard difficulty. Mm. I think it was called like Village of Sorrow. I don't know. It's something like that. Village of Shadows. It, I can't imagine what that's probably like one hit. <laughs> one hit, you're in the red immediately. I can imagine, if not dead, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just the whole way it starts out, it's, I don't know. It's it starts out really happy go lucky and you know, it's going to turn real bad real quick. The, uh, they definitely between with seven, they started doing more, uh, a lot more emotional storytelling, uh, especially introducing this, you know, these new characters into the whole series. Did you play as, uh, again which he was the new one in there uh now if now don't tell me or t i guess <laughs> it might not matter at this point but does the how how well do you consider the story connecting between seven and eight with the same character it's yeah well it's it's after it takes what a couple years after that three or five years after seven and you're still playing like they're still talking about the stuff in seven that happened so he's uh, self uh, self aware, I guess you would say, of what happened in seven still. Oh, very much. Cool. <laughs> it's a that's one of the big like I guess character defining things for him. You know, he's still, uh, I guess, like a, a certain person's trying to forget a lot of stuff that happened, and he's still like, how can you forget? You know, this is a big thing. It affected us. It's a. Uh, 
it's good. It, it moves in like it instantly ramps up too. Uh, and just like by the time you actually trying to see how I can talk about stuff without spoiling anything, <laughs> <laughs> just I guess just the atmosphere. They really honed it in with this, and it, just the the RE engine that they've been using. It's mind blowing on the the consoles themselves. Uh, which console were you playing on? So I I ended up getting because I ended up getting the collector's edition when it came out, and I got it for Xbox. After I had played the demos on the PlayStation, I was like, mm, I could probably get it on there, <laughs> <laughs> just because uh, I think the haptic feedback for it would make a huge difference. It definitely did in there. You felt a lot more. Yeah, that controller gets you hooked. But uh, by the time you make it to the actual like village, just the way it looked, it it gave me such feelings like Resident Evil 4. Like seeing that made me think this is maybe what four was, you know, imagining when they were making it, you know, of course they didn't have the technology and engines that they do now when four came out, but the, like, to me, that's what this feels like. This is the idea they had just the, the detail they went to and the, the houses, even the people that you see, it's uh it's pretty impressive what they've done. It gets your heart going. I can imagine. <laughs> they look early on in the game, you're searching something and all of a sudden you hear something and the game pops up with run. <laughs> you're like, uh-oh. I guess on, uh, we've played quite a collection of horror games. Where would you stack this among scariest to least scariest? I'm trying to think of some ones that really did it to me. Like they got me good. Well, what would you say is that top of the chart? What would you say is like, mm. this is the bee's knees of horror. This is where honestly, you- pr- probably the dead space, like dead space one and two, they were, they were really strong. Yeah. I would say dead space world. is for, you know, really high up there. What do you call it? Uh, I mean, they have, you know, their, their jump scares in that game were famous. Uh, is this on the same level of that? Or is it just more of a tension kind of feel or suspense? It- I think it's I think it's a lot of suspense. Like it, it definitely has some creepy parts and the way they use sounds. Uh even like you just notice that in the demo where you can hear sounds in the distance and like growling, gargling around corners and you're like, What's that? And especially the newer ones are not shy of using gore at all. Between like body horror and and things like that they definitely did not shy away from it in this one nice i guess uh i know go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna i was just gonna ask you more or less like um in comparison to seven uh some of the confined places in the demo that they showed us uh how do you feel about some of the level layout and the level design for maybe the more open village it 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 really feels like you're in a rundown village in the middle of some european country <laughs> like out in like the backwoods of something uh it just like cuz you'll go from one spot like oh I'm walking through these thick trees how Bam, I'm in this sort of rundown small village to all of a sudden you're in this castle where all the walls are beautiful and lined with gold. It really gives you a sense of 
I don't know. They put a lot of work into detail for the game. Did I lose you? No, I'm sorry. Okay. I just don't want to cut you off again. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> do what you got to do. I thought you were processing. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was trying to get through another spot. <laughs> Question, uh, Phil. <laughs> well, I think you covered, uh, uh, I think you covered the, you know, the appearance. You said it looked, you know, phenomenal. Uh, I guess you're playing this in, I guess it's 60 on Xbox 4K. I think, I think was so. the stats. Uh, I guess from the demo alone, I guess some comparison for somebody that hasn't played. Uh, do, do you notice anything between consoles or between demo to full release? Um, possibly some of the. I mean, I know they probably splashed up the demo some, you know, to make it look extra pretty. But a lot of it seems to line up. Uh, a little bit of the lighting, somewhat different, but I, I think. Still, I honestly wouldn't have hated having it on the PlayStation. It does seem like it would have been pretty solid on there, too. Now, how do you yeah. feel? I guess uh, you got something else. I was just going to talk the characters that they've created so far. Gotcha. The newer, like just the villains. Well, hit, hit me up. Just see, I think they've done a good job in giving them all personalities, especially the three daughters. You actually get to see a little more of them where i mean i think i've met all of them now at this point where i'm at but it's it's something plus you know everyone's favorite <laughs> yeah big mama in there <laughs> and she uh actually seeing her in not just cutscenes and stuff like that she's it's it's got a level of, of something and a little <laughs> intimidation intense. Yeah, it pulled uh, some of, well, I guess uh, they all used to do that, where they have sort of roaming characters and certain things. Because, you know, you have Mr. X and Nemesis, and then you had Jack in Seven. That's true. I guess uh, you, you've made it, you said, about halfway. I've, I feel like I'm about to get to about halfway. So you've experienced quite a bit of the combat in the game and maybe a selection of weapons by this point. A little bit and a little bit of puzzles, too. I'm I'm starting to get pieces to those. I guess. uh, How do you feel that lines up with previous entries or does it feel fresh and renewed or or something you feel like it fell back on? About what they did in seven. I, I haven't encountered like too, too many like crazy puzzles or you got to take this piece and use this all the way in this part of the map, you know, like some of the older Resident Evils. You really got to think it out. Like one and two, you had to do so much stuff where you had to take things all the way, put it in your box, use it hours like later on. And just, uh, uh, maybe there's some more coming too. And I didn't, uh, I didn't play it on super hard difficulty. I just put it on normal and I'll, I'll run back through afterwards. Cause I'm pretty sure I'll probably try to hundred percent it. Gotcha feeling good about it are you yeah so far I, I like it it's got some creepy stuff to it i'm curious to see the story about where it's going and how they're tying it in mm. you know with the virus and everything it being completely different how from going from the mold to mm. <laughs> lichens and vampires very true among other things that uh, remain unnamed that i've seen 
how do you feel about uh the control schemes and stuff like that as uh does that fall right in line with any other release that's come out anytime soon or yeah it's about the same as like your normal it's pretty identical to seven two you know your aim and shoot you got the the quick wheel which is your d-pad um what else the inventory system is like uh i guess it's a throwback it feels like resident evil 4 where it's kind of like you're in a suitcase and you pick it up move it around in the certain spaces right yeah you manage your own space yeah so like you have that limited inventory at all times i don't think i found a box if there is boxes I don't think I've found one. Uh, so does, that, yeah. does it does it include any accessibility options or anybody that may have troubles playing it? Other than difficulty, uh, I I'll actually have to go through and check because I, I didn't go too hard into the uh, options when I was doing it too. get back to you on that. one. Gotcha. Yeah, this is, that was something I was, you know, reading about prior about uh returnal and they were saying you know the, the big question was is this game too hard like that was the question <laughs> and uh you know how do you how do you answer that question correctly right w- without being biased towards one's skill or one's ability to learn how to play uh i guess that's where the accessibility would come into play um you know, maybe you don't have full functionality of all your fingers or you slightly colorblind or any other thing that could right. make you at a disadvantage rather than a, a regular gamer. And uh, they were using Returnal as the example, like, is this is this game too hard for not having ways to tune the gameplay to your liking? And right. uh, they were kind of criticizing Housemark on the fact that they wanted it to be an arcade style arcade homage to it and everybody knows arcade games are known for difficulty uh you know long time ago they were meant to take your money you know that was the yeah, whole point of the game just, uh it's the only way it made money yeah that's the whole point because people would get so good at the game the game would never make no money because uh they'd be playing it for so long on one quarter or two quarters or whatever but you know they they stuck to this arcade homage to the game and People were like, well, you know, in Returnal, you can't change the difficulty or nothing like that. Like you can't. No, it's, it's just straight just up, straight up, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, it is. And, you know, they were like, well, give me something I can tune it to help me out. Maybe I like the story and I just want to play it. Or uh, maybe I just uh, I don't have, you know, maybe I can't react as fast as I need to in this game to be able to experience it. And, you know, they were holding the price point as kind of the hostage of this, too, as well. Like, I'm paying $70. Let me play the game how I want. Maybe not always as the developer wants me to play it. Uh, do, do you think there's some something there, or, or what do you think? I'm back and forth on that. Because, I, I mean, I believe that's how they wanted to make the game itself. So, you know, there's that. But I get also the other thing. About, you know, just making it accessible for anybody, any options. I know, thinking about it, I know Resident Evil has the, I'm pretty sure they have the colorblind thing. You know they have options for that. And just, it gives you four difficulties anyway. Right. 
Well, the difficulty to learn was probably, you know, easy was probably what mainly story anyways, right? At that point. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to. I mean, you still would conserve your ammo, but you're not going to need as much of it to fill up some of these uh, monsters and things that you're actually fighting in there. Sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, everybody can be on the border of that question, I guess. Uh, yeah, Everybody's argument always is like, you know, I bought this, like, let me play it and enjoy it how I want to enjoy it. Which, you know, I understand that completely, for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of, you know, like, it's like taking your work and making it into something I enjoy. Like, at the same time, it's like, you know, where, how can you tune this experience and keep the idea the same you know and they they were using some examples uh maybe maybe some sliders or something not necessarily to make the game easier but to maybe give you an upper hand whereas maybe you could start with a little more health or actually start with a gun or something along those lines where it's not changing the difficulty mm -hmm. but it's just giving right. you a little something extra to help you get through that experience do you think that's uh, something more online with accessibility or do you think that's. Uh, is that like more yeah. or less like cheats? Uh, I think it all depends. I know that like this RE8, the deluxe version. Gives you. Uh, like a gun, a different gun that's a little bit more powerful that you can use, I think, to start off with. You don't have to, it's not something you get right off the bat. Like by the time you see the merchant, you can purchase it from them for like pretty cheap. And I don't think it's something you can upgrade. So it's like a, a starting weapon, basically, that's a little stronger than your regular pistol. Mm. So I, I guess, but you're, you know, you'd be paying for that unless you got the deluxe version. Gotcha. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to actually go back in there and see i don't remember it having a whole lot of stuff but i might be wrong on that but yeah. something like how last of us did yeah they have a, uh, a ton of stuff in last of us yeah i right, here's a here's a big big banger question for you <laughs> say that you can change how the game plays like when it comes to enemy difficulty or enemy health or your weapon damage uh, whatever you need to make the game work for you. Do you think that should disable the opportunity to gain a platinum trophy? I think so. In that situation. Just because, well, you're probably going to have the trophies and achievements for the different difficulties anyway. But... Like if you put it on easy mode and there's certain like really hard things, I think in some sections, just depending on what it is, it should be disabled or not count towards, I guess. Not count towards to getting the hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's just something uh, that's how I think too. So you don't have an easy run through achievement game or same for that. Cause let's face it. Everybody at least looks at those achievements and trophies <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, uh, you know, people would obviously take advantage of it if, you know, they didn't even need the accessibility options, uh, 100% yeah. of the game. I think that would be the problem. Uh, I guess, uh, do you think there would be a problem with breaking those trophies out into its own category for accessibility, though? And include its own separate, I guess, 100%. Yeah, depending on 
what it was actually, you know, for. But I believe like the hundred percent thing is you're going in it and you're you know you're gonna be playing harder difficulties later if you're unless this is your first game that you've ever tried to hundred percent. You know, sure. you you know kind of know what you're getting into. For sure. You know you're eventually gonna have to tackle that anyway. Yeah. I mean, some games are obviously, you know, like Returnal. I'm not going to 100% that. I'm not getting a platinum in Returnal. Let's face it. That's not going to, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. Uh, but, the, you know, I did get the one in Spider Man, the remaster. And uh, that game it's alone is like, uh, you got to have really good reactions in that game. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even recall what they did in that game to make it even remotely any more accessible to you. Not for that one. Mm-mm. Like you either going to get beat down or, you know, you're just not getting the platinum trophy. You might not even beat the game. <laughs> yeah. Because some of those warehouses and hideouts and stuff where you have to clear them for the challenges, they're tough. And some yeah, of the enemies are tough. some of the enemies are pretty, pretty robust and, you know, hard to defeat, defeat without multiple combos and stringing stuff together and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just I just feel like I would touch topic with this with you and, and you kind of see where you were at with it. But I think we're about uh, on the same, the same track, really. I think so. Yeah. All in all, though, I I like what they've done with the game so far. <clears throat> I like the atmosphere. The definitely like the Victorian Gothic castles, just the towns and, and the monster, like the actual things that you're fighting and seeing. That's there. Uh, there's something. <laughs> They're very in your face. Like it's, the, they feel the most, uh, the, especially the lichens feel the most like how you think zombies in like the newer Resident Evils would be. Mm. It definitely, just the way that they attack you and how they move around. It's it definitely, yeah, it's there. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. And the whole experience sounds good. And I, I enjoyed the demo, what I played of it. I think I'll definitely get in there eventually and uh, get me a copy and run through it. Got a little bit on the plate right now. I didn't want to bite, bite too much off. Yeah. But I can, I can definitely see myself picking this up and uh, definitely running through it. Uh, are you going to try? Uh, well, you said you're into speed running the seven, right? Yeah, I, I dabbled a little bit in that. What time did you say? Was it two hours? And Yeah, I mean, that's something. still pretty high, but. Oh no, no I'm, I'm dude. That's remarkable in my standing. So <laughs> that was like the last time that I actually like fully tried it when I was doing it regular. You, do you see yourself doing that with this game, or you think it's uh it's too much to to chew oh. off at one time? No, I think I think I could do it in this. It's just mainly getting through and seeing like what you actually need and and what requires you to do what to progress. Like how to advance without doing too much. Yeah. Yeah. There there's instances where you don't need to fight everything that's there, which Mm. uh, the demo showed that too. Like in some of those areas where you can just blow through. Yeah. Yeah. And run from the enemies and it separates you from another whole thing. It could just, uh, and and there's, they're already running the game. Like I already seen, uh, one of the, the big RE runners, uh, what's his name? Baka soup. I, I think I've seen him. He's already been running. I think he was like an hour and 30 something. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I, I haven't watched it. I'm, I'll wait to watch after I finish the game, but 
I know a lot of the runners are already working on it. That's really incredible. I'm looking forward to trying the really, uh, the really hard difficulty for it, though. See how you, awful that is. Do you know if they got <laughs> planned DLC for this? Like they did seven. I think they had some extra content. Uh, I don't know, actually. Seven. I'm trying to remember when they even announced that. If that was at first, I don't even think that was at first. No, this this definitely came later down the line because they came. Uh, they re-released with the gold edition, if you remember. They did, yeah. And uh, had the all the extra content. Yeah, I'm not far enough in to see what could happen afterwards. I'm sure they're going to keep going on just. I don't know where the story's going to end up, honestly. <laughs> well, you'll have to. There's uh, a very, very tall lady that's angry at me currently. She'll, uh, she'll, she'll get her turn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you'll get your turn, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> it might be a little bit of both. <laughs> well, I think that's all the questions I have for you for uh, Resident Evil 8. Glad that you're enjoying it. Congratulations to Capcom for having another terrific launch. Yeah, uh, any, that, that it sold really well in its first weekend. Ending with some stats here. You know, you could calculate that with your, your Nintendo calculator, right? <laughs> if only I picked it up. Wait, wait, I'm just, um, my switch is starting. I gotta get my calculator. <laughs> uh, there it is. That was two days ago. Sold over 3 million copies. Oh, yeah, that's pretty great already. Uh, and that beat RE7's launch. And it says it comes close behind the series performers of RE5 and RE6. Well, let's face it, they had excellent marketing for this game, too. Mm-hmm. This game was well marketed, and everybody knew about this oh, game yeah. coming out. So, and the demos alone, uh, so much participation and availability to be able to play that. And, Everybody knew the demo was available. It was all over social media. It was all over the Play Store, not Play Store, the, the you know, digital storefronts. Even extended it in a week, too. Yeah. Right, right up to launch, right? I think you could have played that hour. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not surprising to see it doing so well. And I'm, I'm really, I'm thrilled to see it. You know, everybody's enjoying it because I was kind of looking forward to playing this. And I'm glad I got something else to look forward to uh, this summer when I... You know, I go pick this up and sit down and enjoy it. Uh, here's a good question for you, actually, before we uh, ended. Uh, is this something somebody could watch you play? Is it enjoyable mm-hmm. in that aspect? I would say so, because it still has the. Is it enough story to captivate an audience? I, I think so. Well, I was just looking. Um, where's that number at? Uh On launch day, it had over 100,000 players concurrent players that were i think streaming nice you know some people don't like playing horror games you know they just kind of like to yes they just really can't can't you know stomach it or or, you know mentally get through it that's that's cool that's great yeah watching someone go through that and just that atmosphere it's it's just as creepy for somebody looking in on it for sure no i definitely agree i mean that's how i played uh I played Outlast one and two and the expansion with, you know, my lady watching. So, and that went, uh, you know, that was enjoyable for both of us. That's stressful. Yeah, that game is, that game oh, is yeah. stressful. 
But I mean, that's all I got. Uh, anything you want to add? Any final comments? No, I think we did it. I think that's good. Did it again on this Wednesday episode. Uh, next week, we'll be back to uh, Tuesday. Release on a Wednesday. This episode will release tomorrow, Thursday, the 13th. I don't know why I'm saying that now because you already be listening to it. But it won't be the 13th. No, no longer be the 13th. Or you might hear it on the 13th, but you won't care because you already know it's available. Because <laughs> you already listened to it. But uh, thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, take care. <laughs>